0: Let's have a word of prayer together. Father in heaven, we want to thank you that we can talk more about relationships this morning, and I pray that uh, you would inspire us with your thoughts, give us your spirit, and help us to understand uh, what your plans are for us. And Lord, we know that the relationships that we have with other people, especially the opposite sex, are so very important in your eyes. And we know how devastating they can be if we're not following you. And so we pray. Lord, that you would help us to see clearly and follow you. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. In Amos chapter 3, verse 3, what does the Bible say? Amos chapter 3, verse 3. amos chapter 3 and verse 3 it's a question that that that's being asked you there amos chapter 3 verse 3 the bible says can two walk together except they be agreed what's the answer this is a rhetorical question he already knows the answer can two walk together unless they be agreed absolutely not what happens when you just don't get along with someone how easy is it for you to spend time together It's impossible sometimes, right? It's like, man, I wish they would get out of the room. I wish they would get out of the house. I wish I never would have met them. You know, it can go on and on. How can two walk together unless they be agreed? Uh, There is nothing more calculated to lead away and destroy young people as unconsecrated, unholy, uninspired relationships with the opposite sex. Okay? Nothing more calculated to destroy a relationship with God and with each other. Especially... uh, Maybe when we consider even relationships with people from another faith, I see that oftentimes in the church. Uh, there was a young lady that I met in New York, and good young lady comes from a great Christian home and worked with us in the mission trip. last year came this year. And uh, what I found out is, she, is that she had went to Boston for a while to be a nanny. And while she was there, she met someone. and she met that someone at another church. See, she was a Seventh-day Adventist Christian, but she was was attending a church there. And at the church, there weren't very many young people that she was uh, communicating well with. You know the challenge, right? And so here she was. She was wanting to develop rapport with people, have relationships with people, and really kind of just establish that friend base while she was there. She's young. She wanted to go have fun and do things. But she wanted to make sure that these friends were Christians. Nothing wrong with that. But what happened is she didn't find what she wanted. Okay. What she needed was there. But what she wanted wasn't there. She wanted a fun, exciting, big group of people who were out having fun all the time. And so she didn't find it in this little church over here. So she went to another church and she began to find those types of people. But they were living a totally different faith experience than what she was living. And so while she was there in that group of people, she began to meet other young people. She began to meet other young men. And as she met these other young men, she found one that she was attracted to that grabbed her heart. She got to know him a little bit better and as they got into a relationship, things progressed and I don't know to what level, but I do know the end result. The end result was that finally she had to break off the relationship with him and it was very hard because what she thought in her mind is that I can get in a relationship with this guy. He's a Christian. He follows the Bible and because of that, things will be okay and I think that probably in the back of her mind, she's thinking I can win him to to the faith, to our faith, to the Seventh-day Adventist Church and when it came right down to it, that wasn't what he was thinking. And so the question, how can two walk together except to be agreed, was actually being fleshed out in her life and she was asking that question to herself, how is this going to be possible? And praise God she was uh, able to actually think through all this and get out of the relationship before it was too late. Uh, Because, you know, who knows what can happen if you get into a relationship like that, it heads off down the road and you make commitments that you shouldn't be making and you make Uh, deals, if you will, that shouldn't be made, you end up married to a person like that, you can lose your your whole religious experience, your whole Christian experience. So there's nothing more calculated uh, to lead away or destroy a young person as a consecrated, self-initiated, godless relationship with unbelievers, and even those of different faiths. Now, if you think that it's of no consequence to choose the company of unbelievers, I want you to think again. You see this uh, picture up here? Do they look happy with each other? No, they're unequally yoked, technically, okay? They're not happy with each other, and I bet anything if that donkey was big enough, he'd take that bull, okay? And that's how it can be sometimes in our relationships, and that's how the influence that these relationships uh, work in our our world today. And if you look all the way back in the book of Genesis, chapter 6, you'll find that people were actually being unequally yoked together, even back then. Genesis, chapter 6. And we're going to begin in verse 2, and then we'll look at verses 4 and 5 also. Genesis chapter 6, verse 2. Actually, let's start in verse 1. It says, And it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose." Why did these sons of God take these daughters of men as wives? What does it say? What was the, what was the reasoning behind it? What really moved them to go and marry them? Yeah? They were beautiful, fast moving, in the city, exciting people to be around. I don't think I could have given a better explanation. Exactly. Here's a group of women, if you will, who are beautiful, pretty, on the move, and their physical attractions and their worldly appeal began to appeal to the hearts of the sons of God, and so they said, you know what, they're beautiful, they're fun to be around, they're awesome, I think I want to spend the rest of my life with them, and they didn't even think to ask God about being in a relationship with them, yes ma'am? Well, and also the um, Christian girls were probably playing with hmm Stuff that you know, like wow, she's kind of you know, they're looking and stuff like that, and so there was a difference between them. And if you're with that type of group where um, it's different than the normal group that you're with, it can all of a sudden have an appeal to you mm-hmm. that you didn't think would ever happen, exactly. It can be very enticing, and I think it was Wes that said um, that sin is actually fun, it's exciting. It feels good, and it does for a moment, but the end result is no fun. I can tell you from personal experience, just seeing people and and spending time with them, and even being in that type of environment where you have young men who are Christians, but they're losing their Christian experience, and they see all these good-looking girls out in the world who are fun and fast and and exciting to be around, and they're really catering to their wants and their, their needs, if you will, but not catering to the whole religious experience and developing true relationships, I've seen them just get sucked in and get completely lost. And what Satan does is he completes this false environment, this false society, if you will, false community, and he draws people into it saying, hey, it's fun, it's exciting, this is where you need to be. These people really get you, they understand you, when in reality, once you get into it, they don't understand you at all. They're just there because they want something from you. And if we don't have consecrated hearts, it's the same situation, we just want something from that other person, and it ends up being a situation where we're unequally yoked together. With unbelievers, and I just want to let you know that you can be unequally yoked together with believers, unbelievers, even in the Seventh Day Adventist Church. So when you're picking and choosing someone, you better be careful. And like I said in the first seminar, make sure that you understand what God is asking of you, number one, and how He defines the relationship that you want to be in, so that it's a safe environment to enter into. And I guarantee you, you'll be able to see that that uh, wolf in sheep's clothing a mile away once you spend time with Jesus. That's just how it works. Let's continue to read. It says that the daughters of men were fair, and they took them wise of all which they chose, not that God chose. And then it says in verse 4, there were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children unto them, the same became mighty men, which were men of old, men of renown. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So then, what was the result of coming into these types of relationships, of being unequally yoked together? It just didn't stay in this uh, secluded environment or this reclusive environment, this sealed off environment. What happened is those relationships actually had an impact on the rest of the world around them and you see the whole world just literally falling apart in the context of these sons of God being married to the daughters of men. So the influence that you have is when you're in a relationship with another person can be incredibly powerful, people see it, you're setting a standard, if you will, as a Christian, when you get in a relationship with someone else. So if you get in a relationship with someone else, if you're unequally yoked together and people see that, and they think that that's what relationship is all about, you're giving a false impression and a false witness. And ultimately, again, it's not just you and that person that could be uh, ending up on the other side of the kingdom, if you will, but many people who are looking at your influence could be there also. And I don't know about you, but I consider that, consider that a very dangerous position to be in. In the Old Testament, the Lord commanded ancient Israel not to intermarry with the idolatrous nations. And if you look with me up here on the screen in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 2 and 3, uh, the Bible says, Neither shalt thou make marriages with them, your daughter shall not give unto you your daughter you shall not give unto a son nor his daughter shall you take unto your son. And it goes on to say for they will turn away the son from following me that they may serve other gods. So will the anger of the Lord be kindled against you and destroy you suddenly. So the reason is given why God doesn't want us to be in relationships with people who aren't in relationship with him. Ultimately it's going to destroy us. It says here that it will lead us to serve other gods and if we're not serving the God of heaven, then by default we're going to end up outside of the kingdom. Here's something for you to think about. If we're in relationship with God, we are connected to the source of life. Amen? Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, God is the source of life. He's the reason that we live and we move and have our being. But if we go and we decide to serve other gods, ultimately we're detaching ourselves from Him and if we end up detached for too long from a life support system, what happens? What happens? We die. die. If you're in critical condition, you're sitting in the hospital, you cannot breathe on your own, and you're on life support, what happens then if they all of a sudden just decide to say, hey, you know what? I don't think they're going to live anymore. Let's pop them off life support. They take the mask off, pull the IVs and tubes. What happens to you? You die. We are in critical condition in this world. We're sinners. The Bible tells us that ultimately we're going to die without being attached to the life source, which is Jesus Christ. And that's why God is so emphatic here that we shouldn't be with people who aren't in relationship with Him because if we do, ultimately we'll, be, we'll end up going out and serving other gods. The anger, the anger of God will be kindled against us and, it'll, and we'll be destroyed suddenly. God loves us. Amen? Amen. Amen? He wants us to be alive. It's not that He's angry with us uh, because He hates us. It's that He loves us so much and He does not want for us to be destroyed. So he says stay out of those unequally yoked relationships that will bring about this destruction. When young people, Christians, get in a relationship with people who are not Christians, they're not in harmony in their minds. Because this person says, I want to follow these principles, the Christian does. The other person says, these are my principles, if I have any, these are the ones I'm going to follow. And they're in complete and direct opposition. And what happens then is, if you find yourself as a Christian moving into enemy territory, can you expect that if you move presumptuously into that area, that God is going to protect you? No. No. He may have grace for a while, but if you continue in that relationship, the influences of the enemy are going to be so strong that they can literally pull you out of a relationship with Jesus and you can be, well, you can be in a very, very difficult situation. People actually fall away from their faith when they decide to get married or be in a relationship with someone else. And I don't know about you, but I found over the years that there's nothing more important than being in a relationship with Jesus Christ. I mean, weigh the options here for just a moment. Jesus and being in a relationship with him equals eternal life. Is that a good equation? Jesus plus me equals eternal life for me. Me with an unbeliever equals death. Which one would you choose? Jesus. Yeah, that's, it's a non-issue at this point. But when we get out there and we start mingling among The sons or daughters of men, it becomes a bit different. The temptations are a bit stronger. The lines become a bit strewed and gray. And so then we have a hard time understanding where we need to be. That's why God says, don't even mess with them. Don't even consider it because I long for you to be sure about your position with me. And I want you to be in a safe relationship with someone else. It goes on to say in verse 6, For you are a holy people unto the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a special people unto himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. Here's another reason why we shouldn't be unequally yoked together God wants us to be a special people, a peculiar people, the Bible says. And what does that mean? It means that he wants us living our lives according to the holy principles that he has in his Bible. He wants us to be pure, he wants us to be holy, he wants us to be righteous. He wants us to be everything that we need to be even when it comes to who we're spending our time with because that expresses to the rest of the world what a relationship with God is all about. Okay, That's why in the beginning God gave Adam Eve. What did he tell Adam? Well, he said in the Bible, he said, it's not good for man to be what? Alone. Alone. I'm going to build him a partner. So he put Adam to sleep, took one of his ribs and when he woke up, God had built him this beautiful, awesome wife, and Adam was ecstatic. Can you imagine what that day was like for Adam? He went to sleep not knowing anything. He wakes up, and there's this beautiful, gorgeous woman right there. The Bible says that God brought them to be together, to be one flesh. Now, we know that that's not physical, because if it was, it'd be kind of crazy, Okay. So it must mean more than that. What it means is that he wants them to be integrated in in, in harmony in every aspect and facet of their lives. He wants them to be on the same page, living according to the principles of his kingdom. And so when people see that, they can begin to understand what that loving, self-sacrificing relationship that God has with himself really looks like. That's what marriage is to represent. Marriage in a small picture, and when family develops, is supposed to be a picture of what the love of God is. In the heavenly realm, you have God the, Father, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They've been living together, and, and that relationship has been deepening all throughout eternity, and they're so close and so intimate, and that's what God longs for in the human relationship between guys and girls. Sound exciting? Mm-hmm. You know, to me, it's exciting because that means I get to know that person on a deeper and deeper level every single day, all throughout eternity. But when we're unequally yoked together, we have no ability to actually come into that type of relationship. This person's thinking one, one thing, this person's thinking another thing, and we can never be in harmony, and what we're doing is we're doing disgrace to God because we're not revealing a true picture about what the harmony and love and self-sacrifice uh, of God's love is really all about. So, we're a holy people, we're to be representing Him here on this earth, even in our personal relationships with each other, and if we are in uh, unconsecrated Unequally yoked uh, relationships, it's an impossibility. Now, there's a person in the Bible I want to share with you today. How many of you know this guy? Samson. Yeah, he had some challenges with relationships, didn't he? Yeah. A lot of times people think about uh, Delilah. Many people always think about Samson and Delilah. All, Delilah are always talking about uh, his relationship with her. That relationship was only the outcome of his earlier decisions to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. You know that, right? Like, it didn't start with Delilah. It started way before Delilah. Uh, We're told in the spirit of prophecy, and I'll show the slide to you in just a moment, but it says, um, actually, let's just go there real quick. It says, the association with idolaters corrupted him. Uh, The town of Zorah being near the country of the Philistines, I spelled that wrong. Samson came to mingle with them on friendly terms. So in other words, he was down with the enemy, mingling with them and becoming friends. He may have learned, hey, this is the enemy. You shouldn't be involved with him at an early age. But as he continued to mingle with them, it didn't seem so bad anymore. Hey, these people are kind of cool, mom and dad. Hey, they're not so bad. How can they be our enemies? I'm really having a good time with them as I go meet with them down in their area every single day. What he didn't know is that he was breaking down his experience with God and leaving himself vulnerable to some devastating situations later on. He was becoming unequally yoked together with unbelievers. He was calling them his friends. It says, thus in his youth intimacy sprang up, the influence of which darkened his whole life. The young woman dwelling in the Philistine town of Timnath engaged Samson's affections and he determined to make her his wife. If you look with me in Judges chapter 13 verse 5. Judges chapter 13 and verse 5. We just finished reading in Deuteronomy 6 that God's people were supposed to be a holy and peculiar people. And it was that same way for Samson. Here in verse 5 it says, "'Lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hands of the Philistines.'" In other words, he was consecrated to God. He was supposed to be a special witness and a powerful deliverer for Israel. Kind of like what God's church is supposed to be today. He was a young man full of power and vigor and life. His family was holy and consecrated unto God, and he was to be the same way. God has that same calling for our life. But we find that Samson made some very, very bad decisions. Uh, He was chosen by God to lead Israel away from the Philistines. But in Judges chapter 14 and verses 1 and 2, we see something completely different. It says, Samson went down to Timnath and saw a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. And he came up and told his father and his mother and said, I have seen a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, do what? Get her for me. I want her to be my wife, is what he said. Did Samson consult God concerning this marriage that he wanted to be in? No, he never consulted. In fact, if you look at it time and again, It says here in verse 2, it says, I have seen a woman. And then it says in verse uh, 3, Samson said unto his father, get her for me, for she pleases me well. And then in verse 7, it says, he went down and talked with the woman, and she pleased Samson well. In other words, she was pleasing to the eye, but we find that he's going down into the enemy's camp to find a wife. Crazy, isn't it? So here he is, chasing a woman he shouldn't be chasing, putting himself in enemy territory, thinking that there's not going to be consequences to the situation. And in all reality, we know that every decision that we make, like we've said before, has a consequence for good or for evil. And Samson thought that he could enter into these relationships and not be affected by them. And too often times, we think that we can enter into relationships and not be affected by them. And just like my friend in New York, she felt that, you know, these people were Christians and I can go and spend time with them and it's not really going to be of any consequence. And she almost lost her own faith when it came to the end result. We um, talked together at that, uh, at that youth training, that, uh, that mission trip, And what I found out is that she was really wrestling for her own faith as as she was sharing with him. She was just hoping and hoping and hoping that he would get it, but he wasn't wanting to hear at all what she had to say. And what she found out is that she didn't know her Bible as well as she thought she did. And I praise God for his mercy because if that man would have known his Bible, as well as a lot of Protestant Christians do, he could have well talked her out of her faith and she would have been in another camp. So you understand how dangerous it can be to get involved with someone from from another city, if you will, or another camp, to be involved with the opposite camp. We find here, uh, in Patriarchs and Prophets, we just read that. Uh, It says here in Signs of the Times, October 6, 1881, Satan is constantly seeking to strengthen his power over the people of God by inducing them to enter into alliance with the hosts of darkness. I consider Samson to be like a second-generation Adventist, okay? His mother and his father were Adventists. Uh, they were good Adventists. They were hearing the voice of God. God came to bless them with a child, kind of what you see in like uh, Mary's life, if you will, in Miriam's life, angels coming and speaking with them. But here God Himself comes and says, you're going to have a baby, and I want you to consecrate Him to the ministry, and when He gets old enough, I'm going to use Him uh, to be a great and mighty warrior uh, for my kingdom. And that's kind of what we're looking at here. And so I consider him a second or third generation Adventist. He grew up in a good home. He had nothing to worry about is what he was thinking. Well, that's wrong thinking because these relationships almost prematurely destroyed, actually did prematurely destroy his life. If you know the end story of Samson's life, we found out that because of these relationships, these premature relationships, he gets into with the wrong people, he ends up getting his eyes ripped out of their sockets, getting tied to a mill, getting thrown in a uh, a bad area, and ultimately takes his own life uh, in tearing down the columns and bringing down the Philistine leaders on top of himself. Now that was an act of faith and praise God he'll be in the kingdom. But what a terrible ending uh, for a young man who had so much promise. To know that he had all the might and all the strength and to know that he had that special calling from God to go out and do all those things and he destroyed it because he entered into illicit relationships with someone that he shouldn't been with. It just is a telltale story of the potential a world of relationships to destroy us and that's exactly what Satan is trying to do if he can get us to be in relationship with the wrong people guys and girls then he's got us because those unholy influences also unprotected by God will destroy our lives doesn't mean that God can't still use us in some capacity but man he can use us a lot better when we have good relationships amen Amen. in 2nd Corinthians chapter 6 verses 14 through 18 the New Testament talks about the same thing In verses 14 through 18, the Bible says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship does righteousness have with unrighteousness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what concord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has he that believes with an infidel? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? It's pretty strong words that Paul is using here. And when you think about it, God is saying, Do not be unequally yoked with anyone who does not share the same faith that you share. It's alarming to think that the one, who, the one we like is an infidel or a worker for Satan. A lot of people out there are thinking, Oh, he's a good person or she's a good person. I know that they're heading in the right direction. They love Jesus. That's all that matters. That's not all that matters. When it comes to your relationship with that person, they need to be consecrated to the message for today. And that means not just a superficial knowledge of the Bible, but to have an understanding of what God is presenting to the world as present truth. And that means that when it comes down to it, you need to be marrying a Seventh-day Adventist Christian, but not just a Seventh-day Adventist Christian, one who is consecrated to God and to the message that we have. Really, he should be a minister of the gospel. Amen? It doesn't mean he needs to be a pastor or an evangelist, but he does need to be someone who is equally, equally yoked together with you, consecrated to the Lord and to the message that we have for today for the world. Does that make sense? The Bible goes on to say, for you're the temple of the living God. And as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Here's a huge defining point for most of the world today. Either you have God in your heart or you don't. And if the person does not have God in their heart, can you tell? Yes, You can tell. Because the Bible says, By their fruits you shall know them. And God says, Wherefore come out from among them. Come out from among the unrighteous, the unbelievers, the infidels. Come out from those who are inspired by Satan. Come out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord. And don't touch the unclean thing. And I will receive you and will be a father unto you. And you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. The Bible tells us that at the end of time, there's going to be lines of demarcation. There are going to be the wheats and the tares, the sheep and the goats, the righteous and the unrighteous. God says, do not be a part of the unrighteous camp. Develop your relationship with me and let me take care of you. What if God didn't even want you to be in a relationship with someone else? He's saying, I'd rather you not be in a relationship at all than to be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. How would you feel about that? You know, there's a young lady that uh, was going through the evangelistic training at Mission College of Evangelism, and they were going through courtship and marriage, and they were talking about the second coming and and how we were just excited about that time being near. And that young lady says, oh, I hope he doesn't come too soon. Well, why not? Because I want to get married. That's kind of the the wrong reason, wrong type of reasoning, wrong thinking, if you will, isn't it? I mean, here's a person that would rather Jesus wait to come so that she could be in a relationship with a human being and develop it here. I don't care about that. I'd rather Jesus come and I can develop true, holy, godly relationships in eternity because God promises that eye has not seen, nor has ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man what He has prepared for us in the kingdom of God. He's still helping us to understand the concepts of it. It says the Spirit of God is revealing these things to us, but we cannot comprehend what relationships are going to be like in the kingdom of God. And so if that's running across your mind that, that uh, you're not secure about not being in a relationship with someone, that you that um, you're not comfortable with that, then I challenge you to get comfortable with it. Because it's all right. And if that's the way that God wants you to be, then you need to be satisfied with that. And really, you're not prepared for a relationship unless you're satisfied in just being a relationship with God, whether another young man or another woman comes along or not. I had to realize that in my own life. Uh, I remember being at Mission College, and I came into that experience where, uh, you know, I kind of had a desire to be, to be married. But then I thought, you know, I've been down the wrong path before. And I don't want to run down that path again. I don't want to make wrong decisions. I don't want to move into it too quickly because I don't want to be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. So I was kind of scared off that ground for a while. But what I found is that as I became more comfortable with being alone, if you will, more comfortable with being in a relationship with Christ, it opened up the doors for me to be more free and be who I was. And it allowed God to bring the person into my life that he wanted to be there. I had to be safe and comfortable being alone first so that I wasn't totally dependent upon this person that I was coming into a relationship with. God wanted me to be dependent upon Him. And in depend- being dependent upon Him, I was going to be a better uh, husband, if you will, or a better uh, mate to the person that I was going to be in relationship with. Kind of like what we talked about in the first seminar. Having that relationship with God, being secure in that first and then having that relationship with that other person. And not giving them just you, but you're giving them you in a relationship with Christ. And that's the best thing that you can give to a person. Okay. The Bible says, or the Review and Herald in July 31st, 1894 says, Let not unholy bonds be formed between children of God and the friends of the world. Let there not be marriages made between believers and unbelievers. Let the people of God take their stand firmly for truth and righteousness. And I think of Samson here. Samson didn't start out with just chasing women. He was hanging out with his friends down in Timnah, down in the the Philistine area. He was making friends with the enemy first. And in making friends and unholy alliances with the enemy, and making friends with the world, it led him into a relationship with a woman that he shouldn't be with. And how many of us today find ourselves in relationships maybe with guys or girls, on a friend basis that we really shouldn't be in a relationship with. Jesus tells us in the Bible, in the book of John, actually, I think it's 1 John, it says, love not the world or the things in the world. For if any man love the Father, or love the world, love the Father, love of God is not in him. Okay? And so the Bible tells us that we shouldn't be together with unbelievers. It's okay to be in the world, but not of the world. It's okay to share our faith with them and look for ways to sh- to, to bring them into a relationship with Christ, but we do not need to be spending unconsecrated, unholy time with Him. You know, when I think about all the fun that young people have, it's very enticing to spend time with people who aren't in our faith. They're out doing fun and exciting and cool things, and even in the church that's happening. And what I, what I found, even uh, on Sabbath days, is that our young people, even our young adults, are out doing things that probably they shouldn't be doing uh, on the Sabbath day or even on any given day. You know, I know that there are people that I love dearly who have been baptized into the church, but they're watching movies that they shouldn't be watching. Uh, They're spending time with people they shouldn't be spending time time with. And their conversation isn't even about spiritual things. I spend time with them on the Sabbath and I hear one thing after another. And the question that often comes to my mind is, where is Jesus in all of this? Because what I read in the Bible is that I should be talking about Him and I should be sharing Him and I should be building up the faith of the others by talking about everything that He means to me. And too often we find ourselves in worldly relations and we compromise and we sacrifice those conversations for light and trifling conversations that have no no benefit for eternity. So when it comes to making friends with the world, we're warned off of that. And sometimes it makes our young people feel like uh, they're living a boring life. And I would have to say to them that if you feel bored, you should really check the gauge on your relationship with Jesus Christ. Because what I found is that there's nothing more exciting than being in a relationship with Him. Amen? And I, uh, being at Southern College and visiting down in that campus and living down in that area for a while... I experienced a lot of this taking place. I experienced young people being unequally yoked together, even as Seventh-day Adventists. And I watched how it really tore them, number one, away from their relationship with God, and it really disrupted their relationships with each other because it wasn't founded on anything but sin. They would look for opportunities to leave the campus. And like I said, go check out movies, go hang out late together. They would be holding hands and they would be kissing and they would be hugging and sitting close. And you know, all those things that the world thinks is okay. And even in the church, young people think that it's okay. And I'm going to tell you today, ladies and gents, it's not okay. Those things right there, the world says, that's just a part of developing a relationship. It's getting to know each other. It's finding out whether or not you're going to be compatible, even in the areas of, of physical closeness. That's a lot. What you're doing is destroying your purity that you're to be saving for the one that God has prepared for you. You know, every time you give a kiss away, you can never take it back. Do you know that? Every time you give a hug away or even a hand holding away, you can't get it back. And here's something else. If I can just get up close and personal with you every time that you sleep with someone i'm not saying that any of you any, i'm not saying that any of you are but i'm saying if you are and if you do you're giving something away that you can never get back again and that's something that only your husband or your wife deserves it is preserved for the sanctity of marriage And if you're giving these things away, you're really giving them to a whole bunch of people. And you can never give those things that are so special to the person that God has prepared for you. And it becomes common. And then it's no longer exciting because it's common and I've given it to this person and that person and the other. And it's just not exciting and fun and and awesome anymore. You've just destroyed what you could have given to the one that God has prepared for you. And I've seen this happening over and over again. And really what happens is people are entering into some type of marriage relationship, a covenant relationship with the opposite sex and breaking it apart again. When they move from boyfriend to girlfriend to boyfriend to girlfriend, they come into a covenant relationship of types and then they rip it apart again. When they move on to the next one, if you want to call it playing the field, that's what happens. And really they're destroying their own lives and the lives of other people. When I think about giving myself to another person, in a sexual relationship, and I'm unequally yoked together with them, I really sense that I'm moving into a marriage relationship, and I'm marrying an unbeliever. Even though the vows aren't being spoken, even though the wedding ring, if you will, is not on the hand, even though the I do's aren't being said, you're still giving something that God has given to man and woman to kind of uh, seal the marriage relationship, and to start it off, you're giving that to someone else. And what you're doing is you're developing broken relationships in your life and you're taking these broken relationships and you're bringing them into the next experience and into the next experience and we call it baggage. And when you bring all that along with you, you're taking all those negative, bad experiences and you're bringing them into the next experience, hoping it's gonna be better and it's not gonna be any better because you're still not following the principles of God. And I see it happen too often and it breaks my heart now because I've been in that experience. And praise God, I've been able to put it behind me but I see too many people giving too much away too soon to people that should never even receive it, nor do they deserve it. And I watch young women walk away broken and scarred and hurting from it and questioning whether or not there is a true relationship out there for them. And then their hearts really longing for it, but being afraid to enter into a true relationship because of what's happened kind of like the young lady that I shared with you earlier this morning who had been from one man to another and finally was going to women because she couldn't find what she needed and she had a broken relationship with God. God doesn't want that for us, amen? He has something so much better for us. And that relationship with Him is where it begins. And if we know it, we won't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, even within our own church presumptuously. And if we find that right person, if we're willing to wait on the Lord, we're willing to allow Him to give us that good wife or that good husband, there's nothing better than that. Um, when considering marrying my wife, uh, we really talked for a long time about this. We we got together and we've talked on the phone for hours and hours and hours. And she was real with me and I was real with her. And she says, listen, I don't think that um, I want to be married to a minister. Okay. And for a lot of people, that's a challenge. Well, I kind of like her and I Maybe I'll just kind of back away a little bit because maybe I can do something else and still do this when the calling is to be a minister of the gospel. But conceding a little bit opens up the door for more concessions, and down the line, you may lose everything. And that's what happens. With my wife and I, we were both strong-willed and hard-headed, praise the Lord. And she says, This is what I'm looking at, and I don't know that I could be comfortable being married to a minister. And I said, Well, um, this is who I am and this is what I'm called to be. And, and I was hoping in my heart, oh Lord, please, I hope that she says yes. You know, I want to be married to her. This is the one, this is, this is the one that I want to be married to. I know this is her. And uh, so I prayed about it, but I knew that my calling was to do what I, what I, what I do. And we both kept talking about it and she agreed uh, to follow through and we were married, long story short. And I'll tell you guys the rest of the story later. But suffice it to say, Uh, we did not want to be unequally yoked together, okay? Even in the church, because it's possible. And and the fear and the danger is that if you're unequally yoked together, you're just looking at another broken relationship, and that's not what God wants. So long and the short of it is, make sure that you're communicating with each other, make sure that you're talking about what your goals and aspirations are, and do not concede your convictions in order to be in a relationship with another person. Amen? Amen? Now, there are a lot of excuses for being... In, in bad relationships, but there are a lot of causes, too. Uh, the causes or excuses for getting into bad relationships are this. Uh, loneliness. I'm lonely. I'm afraid I'll never find the right person. I'll never get married. That's real, a real thought in the minds of young people today. Uh, so they're worried that they'll never be together with someone, and as you get older, it tends to get worse, to be honest with you. Those thoughts do. Um, I know that uh, young ladies especially... Uh, when they get older, they're longing to have a husband. They want to be, an, and it's, it's fine. There's nothing wrong with that longing, but to uh, do it for the wrong reasons is absolutely wrong. Another one is uh, perverted physical and emotional desires, or lust, if you will. Premature physical and sexual relationships. Um, a lot of times, young people get into these relationships, and they start just with the simple things. They're, they're enamored with each other. The hormones are raging, and they just want to sit close to each other. Wow, that feels good. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. Next thing you know, you're holding hands. Next thing you know, there's a private moment that just happens to take place and maybe a hug or a close moment, maybe a brush on the cheek, even a glance with the eyes. It's all seductive and it's all not from heaven. Next thing you know, there might be a kiss on the cheek, which maybe in an evening moves slowly to the lips. And the process goes on, you understand. You understand and when a young lady not so much young men but young ladies come into that experience and they fail and they fall and they they enter into promiscuity if you will perverted physical relationships and emotional relationships they feel bound to that relationship they feel obligated to it and it's hard for them to get out of it and it becomes a burden for them they feel shame and guilt and there's pain there, and they don't know what to do, they now feel like they have to be unequally yoked together with this person because they've given so much of themselves. Another one is convenience. A lot of times people get into bad relationships because it's convenient for them financially, or maybe it's socially lucrative. Man, this person's popular, he's cool, and I kind of like him, and I like the the things that are going on because of the whole environment, so I really want to be with him. That's not the right reason. Also, people are deceived. Um, people oftentimes get into relationships without assessing the person okay and what happens is they get into a relationship with this person and they give too much and they realize that this is not the person that they thought they were okay they were deceived and a lot of times people are even married under this deception and once they get married things switch around things change and you cannot leave the relationship that you're finally in. So they're deceived. And another one is that they're downright deluded. Um, people think that they can actually convert other people to the faith, and that's why they get into a relationship with them, when in reality that person should already be converted to the faith before you ever, think, before you ever even think about it. Um, there's something here in Fundamentals of Christian Education I want to share with you. This is, Many professed Christians think, like Solomon, that they may unite with the ungodly because their influence over those who are in the wrong will be beneficial. But too often they themselves, entrapped and overcome, yield their sacred faith, sacrifice principle, and separate themselves from God. One false step leads to what? Another. Till at last they place themselves where they cannot hope to break the chains that bind them. Awesome thought. Solomon thought that he could be bound together with Egypt and its influences. He married an Egyptian wife. He begins to presume upon his relationship with God and step by step he enters into ungodly relationships thinking that he is uh, able to influence and keep things at bay and in reality he's pulling himself away from God and all those evil influences finally pull him down and you can read it in his writings one page after another and the Proverbs, I think probably one through at least four or five they talk about how he we actually should know the laws of our father and we should listen to our fathers and mothers and their counsel and that these are the most important things in our life that we should write them upon our hearts that we should remember them that we should meditate upon them and that we should follow them every single day even in the context of relationships with men and women yes ma'am um going back to convenience as you were saying Mm -hmm. because hmm yeah yeah it was very convenient for Solomon and it became all about him and not about God and it's amazing because in the beginning he says you know I'm just like a, a young person a child I don't know whether or not to come or I don't know how to come or, or go he says I need your wisdom and God gave him that wisdom but he didn't always apply it and because he began to fail in those areas he yielded his faith he was overcome And uh, by God's grace, he was able to write about it and share with us uh, the vanity of following anything except the wisdom of God. Okay, results of getting into bad relationships. These are just some. I mean, we could go on and on and on. But number one, there's always constant tension because you're not on the same page with that person. Uh, You'll notice that people who are unequally yoked together are always fighting. They're always upset with each other. There's, There's always something going on. And if they were in harmony with each other, if they were equally yoked together, this wouldn't be an issue. It doesn't mean that the relationship's always going to be perfect. Uh, you're going to have challenges. There are two independent minds that are sinful uh, trying to come together. And it can be difficult sometimes. But God knows how to refine the process and make it work. Also, what happens too when getting into bad relationships is bondage. People uh, get into these relationships and then they can't get out of them. And they're bound to them. And it's a terrible experience. Uh, Number three, sexual sin. Um, People get into bad relationships with the wrong people. They stumble and fall, and they do things they shouldn't do, and it ends up really hurting them and hurting uh, possibly the other person that they've been involved with. Uh, Spiritual and emotional manipulation. And the longer you stay in a relationship like this, the harder it gets. And finally, the loss of your entire Christian experience. Uh, there have been many who, when presented with the opportunity to get married, conv- conceded their convictions and gave up their faith to be in a relationship with someone who doesn't even know God. And my challenge to you this morning, guys, is don't concede your convictions. Amen. Do not concede your convictions. Do not give up any area of your relationship with Jesus Christ to be with someone. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Uh, like I mentioned to you before, there is... Uh, an amazing thought when it comes to relationships we said relationship with God equals what eternal life and also relationship with an unconsecrated human being without God equals what eternal death so there's no dilemma there there's there's no problem there we know what we should do the question is now will we do it will we do it will you do it amen at the end of time, if you look with me in Revelation chapter twelve, verse seventeen. Revelation chapter twelve verse seventeen. How much time do we have? Four minutes? is the next Okay, great. Revelation chapter 12, verse 17, we'll fly through these next few thoughts. It says, And the dragon was wroth with the woman, and he went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God, and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Here it says, at the end of time, Satan is going to be outraged at who? The remnant, the remnant or God's true church. People like you and like me who have the faith of Jesus Christ, who are longing to, by His grace, keep the commandments of God. People who are in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Satan is going to be attacking them. And he's constantly seeking to attack us, not on this horrible, uh, maybe demon-possessed, satanic front, if I can present it like that. I mean, we're not constantly bombarded with with, um, experiences like the exorcist, if you will, you know, people who are running around like uh, the demoniac, naked and crying out and cutting themselves with stone. That's not how he accosts us today, and that's not how he takes advantage of us today. That's not how he's warring against the soul today. He is doing things almost imperceptibly to lead us outside of a relationship with Christ. And he's also doing things almost imperceptibly and slowly to lead us into wrong relationships with people so that we can be out of relationship with Jesus Christ. Here's a a thought from you. This comes from... um, Special Testimonies, October 6, 1881. It says, Satan is constantly seeking to strengthen his power over the people of God by inducing them to enter into alliances with the hosts of darkness. And to accomplish, this, to accomplish this, he endeavors to arouse the unsanctified passions in the heart, which is naturally prone to evil. It is not safe for Christians to imitate the example of the ungodly or to yield to their influence. The wisest counsels of the wicked are not to be relied upon, If accepted, they may bring trouble and sorrow upon the child of God. The Lord would not have His people take ungodly persons into their confidence. In other words, there is no need. And God tells us not to come in contact with unconsecrated, unholy uh, relationships with other people. It says, If accepted... I'm sorry. The Lord would not have His people take ungodly persons into their confidence. The Apostle Paul exhorts us to have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather to reprove them. For what concord hath Christ with Belial, or what part hath he that believes with an infidel, and what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? God is saying, do not come close and do not get into intimate relationships with people who don't know me. It's the work of the enemy. It's how Satan is seeking to divide us from the heavenly kingdom, and I want to be in the heavenly kingdom, and I want to be there with people who are consecrated to God in the heavenly kingdom, Mm -hmm. and I don't want to take the time, and I don't want to enter into the dangerous situation of spending moments here with people who don't know or don't even want to know God. I want to spend time, even if it's not the cool thing of the day, I want to spend time with people who want to spend time with Jesus. And that is not the cool thing to do today. And Satan is continuing to press and press and press our young people telling us that that's not cool. But I see a movement in the church today with young people saying it is cool. It is awesome to spend time with Jesus. It is awesome to fellowship with people who are on the same track heading to the kingdom of God by the grace of God. That's what I see today. I think when it comes to the relationship with another person, when I think about being unequally yoked together, with someone, even if you're heading down that path, even if you're already in a relationship with them, it's better to step away and back out of that commitment rather than to follow through with it and be in a relationship that will just be painful to you until the day that the Lord comes. Mm-hmm. I've seen too many people who, who get into relationships and they wish that they were never in them. They question whether or not they, they should have ever entered into these relationships. And it's just very difficult for them. I see men and women living their lives separately, in their homes, even dating other people, married. I mean, it's just that twisted. I heard just a story the other day, a lady called in on talk radio, and she was talking about how her husband was actually having one affair after another uh, with women, and didn't even try to hide it, and he was still married to this lady. And you know how it made her feel? She was broken by it. She was torn out. She's like, what do I do? And she was in a situation where she had kids and the counsel that was given to her is, hey, listen, if you still want to live with your kids, you've got to live with their relationship. Sorry. And that's a worldly perspective in some capacity because by God's grace, that person could be converted and it could be a good family home. But looking at it, she's right. You cannot be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever and think it's not going to have consequences. And once you get into it, you're not going to get out of it without pain suffering. So better to make the decision beforehand not to get into it than to enter into it at all. And here's our last thought for you. Though the companion of your choice were in all other respects worthy, as you look at their life, yet they have not accepted the truth for this time, he or she is an unbeliever. Did you hear that? If they have not accepted the truth for this time, he or she is an unbeliever, and you are forbidden by heaven to enter into that relationship. It's not only a decision that you need to make, from your personal convictions, heaven forbids you you to enter into a relationship with a person who doesn't believe the truth for this time. It goes on to say, You cannot, without peril to your soul, disregard the divine injunction to not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. To connect with an unbeliever is to place yourself on Satan's ground. You grieve the Spirit of God and you forfeit His protection and the question comes, can you afford to have such terrible odds against you when you're fighting the battle of everlasting life? In other words, it's already hard enough. Why would you go against God's counsel and be involved with someone you shouldn't be involved with? You might say, but I've given my promise in this relationship. It's at that point where we've had the engagement and we're, we're setting plans to be married. I can't back out of it now. Not so. The answer is this. If you have made a promise contrary to the Scriptures, by all means retract it without delay, and in humility before God repent of the infatuation that led you to make so rash a pledge. For better to take back such a promise in the fear of God than to keep it and thereby dishonor your Maker. And let me add to it, lose your own soul. The question I want to ask you this morning as we finish up, I guess it's moving into the afternoon, is are you unequally yoked together with someone? Is the temptation there? Because if it is, this morning I hope you've seen that you don't have to be unequally yoked together with any unbeliever. You can be united with God and leave the results with Him. If He wants you to be together with some man, some woman, let Him take care of it. The Bible says that a good wife is of the Lord and I believe that a good man is the same too. How about you? Amen? Amen? So let's leave that with God. Let Him take care of that. Let's develop the relationship with Him so that we don't come into a situation where we're enticed to be in an unequally yoked relationship with someone else and find no pleasure in what God has created for our benefit and for our pleasure. Let's have a board of prayer. Father in heaven, thank You so much. And we pray that as we move on with the rest of these seminars that You would bless our time together and continue to inspire us with thoughts and ideas and convictions that are in harmony with your kingdom. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.